Hey, what's up everybody? Matt Johnston here. Excited to get into today's conversation about using video in your sales. Before we get into it, I just want to let you know that I've just rolled out a free course called Billion View Secrets. Really excited about this one. Takes you through my process for creating social videos that drive millions and millions and millions of views across platforms. Really excited about this. If you want access, all you got to do is shoot me a text that says just the word course to 610-347-5290. That's my number. Text me the word course and uh, we'll get you access to that. All right. So excited. Let's jump into this podcast with Joey Gilkey talking sales and video. You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Thank you so much for being here. I know a lot of you were excited about this. I got a lot of messages about uh, about this. We're going to talk about sales today. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about, uh, because I know I know I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my network and a lot of people that run agencies of various kinds. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how to use empathy-driven video to drive your sales process. And we can also get into uh, anything under the sun when it comes to agency sales uh, as well. And uh, we've, got a, we've got a great guy here to, to talk about it, Joey Gilkey. Joey, thanks so much here for being here with me. Yeah, man. Thanks English. for having me. Thanks so much for being here with me. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so, man, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joey, <laughs> I've got, I've, I've just got, I've got your, I'm, I'm going to do a little abridged website bio of you. We're going to see, we're going to see how this goes. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> so Joey, Joey specifically works with agencies, specifically works with building their sales process. Um, so he's worked with over a hundred agencies and, uh, He's, he's, he's done all sorts of things um, from taking a $1 million risk management consulting firm to 9.5 million in 18 months, scaling a digital agency's growth by 8X in 12 months, or $1.3 billion in a sales pipeline for clients in three years. Those are all, those are all, those are all awesome. And I have to say, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm working with Joey right now as well. And uh, he's helping us get our sales shored up. And even in our first meeting, we've really had a lot of really huge eye-opening wins. Um, it's one thing to have an, a, a consultant, but uh, another one to have another, to have some, to have some actual um, agency specific advice is fantastic. And I know he's got a free video course on his site with, with this type of stuff. We can get into that all later. Uh, but Joey, uh, I'm super excited for you to be here. Let's, let's dig first a little bit into video. I think, um, but maybe, but maybe, maybe before we go into video, why don't we just ask this question? Because I'm sure that video solves some of these problems. What it, what are the biggest holes that you tend to see when you first start talking to agencies in their sales process? Yeah. So we start every engagement with the same thing, which is a roadmap. So our goal is to come in and diagnose and prescribe a roadmap to getting them to what we call a sales driven agency. And the problem that we mostly see with 99% of agencies, if not a hundred percent is they're missing one, if not all four of what we call our core four, which is process. So sales process, 
technology, talent, and assets. And, and, and in that order, process being, I want to have a business that is built on a systematic way uh, to drive revenue, right? And, and don't take that as synonymous with automation, right? Like a lot of people say, oh, it's just an automated sales. No, 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 not at all. It's a, I want to have a business that's built on playbooks, workflows, and actions, right? So the playbook is how do I achieve this thing? Workflow is based on their behaviors. This is the path we're going to take. Actions are what are the specific steps in that path? Um, what I find with most agencies is they are typically creatives, typically visionaries, not typically process minded. Um, and so it's very challenging for them to build out a sales process that drives predictable growth, aggressive growth, and sustainable growth, all three of those. And so because of that, um, they find themselves usually hitting a, a, a revenue plateau or a revenue ceiling um, because one, they're not salespeople. Secondly, their thought, their next thought is if I'm not a salesperson, I need to go hire a salesperson, but what are you going to bring them into? If you don't have a, a defined process and a system, how are you going to bring someone in to be successful? And oftentimes they're not set up for success. You spend money for three to six months hoping that they're going to work out and they don't. Um, so the biggest thing is they don't have a defined sales process and a sales operation, um, which naturally leads to agencies spending a lot of money and not getting a lot of results. Mm. So, so the process first, what, what, what were those four things again? We had process, technology, process, technology, uh, talent and assets. So process, obviously we talked about technology is not meant to replace people necessarily, but, but technology is meant to make us more efficient and more effective. So as long as it's doing those two things and accomplishing those two things, it can make us efficient, but it can drop our effectiveness. That's not a good technology. It can make us uh, effective, but make it very inefficient. Um, and that's not good technology. We'll have both. So process technology talent is who are the people and the talent that we want to bring onto our team to run our processes on our technology assets are what are we going to equip them with with uh, is it content is it training is it knowledge bases what is it that we're going to give those talent to run that process on that technology and so forth that's the core four so do most agency owners come to you and largely the issue is that they're doing all the sales yeah i would say 70% of the agencies I work with, the owner is still selling, um, which means what they're not doing is they're not leading the company, which is ultimately where we want to be. We want to be in that CEO position where we're kind of sitting over top of and captaining the ship of our agency. And, and they can never seem to get there because they can't figure out a way to effectively move themselves, remove themselves from sales. Um, so I would say 70% of the time they are. 30% of the time uh, they have salespeople that are on their team that are just extremely inefficient. Um, I'd say 25% of the time. Then 5% of the time there's, there's people who are doing it right. Um, that, that's fairly rare. Hmm. So, okay. So, so, so you help them build this, build this process out, um, technology, hire the right talent and, uh, and then was it assets? Yeah. Assets is the last part, which is really what are we equipping our team with. And so that's everything from literal physical equipment, headsets, computers, et cetera. That's, you know, an obvious, but then content, what are we doing from a content perspective? Are we working, are we marrying marketing and sales together um, so that we can make our salespeople more effective? And then the vice versa is the sales team equipping the marketing department with data from their outreach, data from their sales efforts to make the marketing department more effective. 
Um, and then there's all sorts of other things like your assets, your training assets, how you training and, and continuing to sharpen the ax, if you will, or, or sharpen the sword for your salespeople to become better, more effective, more efficient, um, doing more revenue generating activities, doing less non-revenue generating activities, that type of stuff. Cool. So, so going specifically to video, I think that we've seen that video can be extremely, extremely useful on the front end when you're getting those leads. And I'd love to hear a little bit from you. I know you have experience with this because the, the way that you generate these leads is extremely important to the sales process because it has to do with their commitment to you. Yes. Um, and, and then how much time you allow them to do that. So, uh, and, 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 and of course, I've been hearing a lot of numbers lately over and over again that the fastest route to get someone from lead to conversion tends to be a video-based nurture type situation. Yep. So how do you get those leads and use video on the front end? I know you do it uh, for your business and you've probably worked with others that have done it as well. And then I'm also curious um, about how we can get into this after about if you use any video strategies, whether it's your sales reps or whoever mm -hmm. and loom or whatever it may be to actually nurture people. And I know a lot of agency. I mean, I went through a whole agency uh, upbringing program and there was yeah. all sorts of talk all the time about sending loom videos and this and that. And of course I've had success doing it. I've never sy oh. systematized any of this stuff. And of course at scale, it's freaking overwhelming, you know, especially when I run my business. So, uh, uh, and then of course you have this whole, like, how close should I be to the lead? Because I also want to like get this untouchability slightly there. So they feel like they're buying something they can't already get for free. Um, so yeah. anyway, why don't we just start with the lead generation there? Like, how sure. do you, how do you make sure because what, what we're all doing in the agency industry are these book a call type funnels, yeah. whether we're running yeah. paid traffic to them or whether we're, uh, not running paid traffic to them. We're just having them organically come through our website. It's always book a free strategy call, book a free strategy call, book a free strategy call. These are extremely difficult leads to get, yes. but they are in theory highly qualified because they've actually taken the action to actually book time with you. I thought what was interesting when you and I spoke the first time, we didn't even really talk about a funnel like this. Um, and I think that's cool. And, and I wonder how video plays a part in this. So, so let, let's just dig first into that, how you generate leads that make your sales process easier. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take a step back and talk more about theory real quick and then, and then great. I'll yeah. That's awesome. why, why videos fits really well into that theory. So my, we have a model that we call the trust transaction model. So what that essentially means is a sale is really just a, a transaction between two people or two companies uh, where one person provides value, the other person provides money and you trade, right? It's a transaction. The bigger the transaction, the more trust has to be present, right? And so we call it the trust transaction model because you're essentially stair-stepping um, your way to that trust transaction. Um, so if you think about stairs, um, each stair gets you closer to the transaction. The first stair is attention. So we want to grab attention and gain the attention because if you don't have attention, then you're not gonna have a conversation which isn't gonna eventually lead to the transaction. But you have to have attention first. Uh, obviously video plays a big part in it. The next is, people skip over this oftentimes, is likability. People, people don't talk about or think about likability in the sales process. They instantly go to the next step which is credibility. So they think if I get their attention, I got to prove that I'm credible and then I can have a transaction with them, right? I would say slow it down a little bit, go credit or go attention, 
create likability, which means being personable, being likable, uh, being someone that they can trust, right? If I didn't like my wife first, uh, I wouldn't trust putting, you know, a ring on her finger to say that I'm going to be faithful to you. You're going to be faithful to me and we're going to do this forever. Uh, if I didn't like her first, right? Um, if I, and then it was, um, you get into credibility, right? Like, do I feel like you'd be a great wife for me? Do I feel like I would be a great husband for you? Um, do I think you're gonna be a great mother? Do I think I'm gonna be a great father in tandem with you? Um, business is no different than relationships. I want to make that very clear. Um, and oftentimes we want to skip over some of the steps and that we would have for a relationship in business. And so all we're really doing is we're building trust through each stair step, um, along the way so that we can eventually have a transaction that's based on trust uh, where you give me money, I provide a solution to a problem that you have. Uh, and the next stair step after transaction is retention, but we won't get into that too much right now. Um, all that to say, video is pivotal for each one of those steps. How do you get attention? What is everybody else doing? They're doing uh, LinkedIn messaging, they're doing emails, they're doing cold calls. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, when they're doing cold calls or leaving voicemails, a video is essentially a personable putting a face to a voice voicemail that's dropped in their email inbox or on their, in their LinkedIn DMs that grabs attention. That's the whole thing is how do I grab their attention? Um, and so I utilize video top of funnel, like trying to get attention. I use video middle of funnel when I'm trying to continue to build the relationship. And I use video after the sale for retention purposes um, because I think that tells the story. It's, it's personable, et cetera. So from a leads perspective, um, I'm a big subscriber to account-based selling, which is in a nutshell, if you think about sales, there is the spray and pray model. We call it spam your TAM, spam your total addressable market, um, which is we go after a lot. It's a one-to-many approach, right? We, we've got a big market. We're going to go after the market. We got to go after them in batches. We're usually going to use automation and some personalization, but it's really just mapping fields to an email or whatever. That's what most people do. And that is a very wide top of funnel, very skinny conversion at the very bottom. Account-based is flipping that funnel upside down and saying, who is it that we want to come out the bottom of our funnel? Who is it that we want to have as customers? And you look at them from an account-based perspective as the individual. And so you create campaigns or videos or specific things for each account because you're gonna go from a 0.5% conversion in traditional way of selling to a 10 to 20% conversion in an account-based way of selling because it's tailored to them. You're grabbing attention, you're creating likability, you're creating credibility, and then you're selling. Um, so a couple of just tips, people know like utilizing their name in the thumbnail uh, when you're trying to get an attention. So if you have a whiteboard or like I have a digital whiteboard behind me, sometimes I'll use this um, to get their attention on the back end. Uh, doing a, a screen share of their website. If you do web dev or if you do something, you know, conversion and optimization, you might have um, their video with you at the bottom left-hand corner using Loom or something like that. Whatever it might be that shows them that this video is made specifically for them is, is pretty powerful. Uh, I'll stop there. If you want to ask questions around that, we can, but I've got a couple other tips there too as well. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's go into it all. I, I I think I think just to just to make sure, just from a from a broad agency perspective, how yeah. do you like to talk? So 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 you got into it a little bit with account based. So you're creating. Mm -hmm. So instead of creating this fire hose, 
that yeah. is very wide top of the funnel and then goes, I mean, th those funnels look kind of funny, right? But they're the funnels yeah. we all use. So it's a very yeah. wide top of the funnel and it kind of goes like that, exactly. right? So, yeah. so there's, no, there's no middle of funnel um, and it's very wide at the top. So we're, I guess we're hoping to triage in a different way, but how mm -hmm. do you recommend agent, like with this account-based model, it's like, yep. okay, great, Joey, we got you, makes sense, let's go after who we wanna go after. So how do we, you know, what, what recommendations do you have to generate leads there? I mean, because the, the way you generate that lead permeates the sales process. So totally. what works? Yeah. yeah, well, I'll talk about outbound leads and then we can talk about inbound after that. So outbound is great. essentially targeting them specifically. Um, so our process, we call this really the dream 500 approach. So the top of your upside down funnel right now, it's like a pyramid. It's, the first thing you have to do is really get zeroed in on who your dream client profile is, right? We've all heard of ICPs or personas or avatars or whatever. We have to really get honed in on um, who is in our dream market, right? If you think about, I mentioned total addressable market earlier, your TAM, that's everyone and anyone who could potentially use maybe your product or service in some way, shape or form. Everybody. Qualified, unqualified. That's your total addressable market. If you think of it like a bullseye or a target, total addressable market is the outer ring. Inside of that is what we call the commoditized market, which are people who need your product or service, but everyone's competing on price. That's, we don't want to be there. We don't want to be one who's racing to the bottom of just trying to get them the best price, right? Because right? it, it, it lowers the value of our product or service. Inside of that is the ideal market. This is where we do want to be in, if anywhere, is the place where we can charge a bit more. We have a little bit more trust in the, in the process. Um, we're the experts in the room and we can charge accordingly. And then inside of that, there's always a smaller segment we call the dream market, which are at the intersection of three places. Price, the people who I can charge the most for uh, what we do. It might even be the same exact thing we offer to everyone else, but they're willing to pay us a lot more for it because the next part, we solve a bigger problem for them. There's a bigger need there. Um, and the third part is trust, that they that they trust us to be the expert. And that's where we, we start to solve some of the problems that a lot of agencies or even just entrepreneurs in general, we've all heard of the, the term scope creep, right? Where we, they pay us for something and the next thing you know, we're doing like three X what we pitch them on totally, doing because 100%. they scope creep. And so you wanna have a Huge place where they point. just trust you to be the, the captain of the ship for them with whatever pain point you're solving. So, that's your, you have to get really zeroed in on that dream market, that dream client profile. And then you have to go identify the accounts that fit that, right? So you have to go out and do the hard research and intelligence gathering on who are the accounts that I think actually fit this profile or closely fit it. Uh, once you identify them, then you have to drop down and say, okay, who are the specific key players within each account? One thing that I think most people make the mistake of is they only go after one person in the company. They don't, they don't try to grab and create trust with multiple mm. people around the decision maker. We call this just influencing the decision maker. Um, there's a good book out there. I think it's called um, the challenger customer, which talks a lot about finding the key hidden influencers in a decision in a company. Um, so go check that out. Mm. But you want to have a couple of folks in the company who you might be targeting um, in a customized way to build the relationship. We've had plenty of examples where we could not get a hold of. In one example, there was a, a law firm where the managing partner was through the decision making. He cuts the checks. But our entry to him was to then treat the executive assistant to the managing partner like a human being, like a prospect, 
create trust with them. And then she became our biggest advocate, got us in the door with the managing partner. We sold an $850,000 deal, right? It took that, you know, finding the hidden influencer around that decision maker to actually get into the account. So once you've identified the key players, then it really gets into the nuts and bolts of one-to-one outreach. Again, we're talking about outbound lead generation, not inbound right now. So then it really comes down to treating each account like its own campaign. A lot of people will create one campaign and drop hundreds or not, if not thousands into a campaign, hoping to see that 1% conversion at the bottom of that funnel. We, again, we flip it upside down. We want to treat each account like its own campaign because we want to go for that double digit conversion rate. I'd rather go after a hundred accounts and convert 20% than go after a thousand accounts and convert 2%, right? It's the same amount of leads, right? It's both 20 leads, uh, but the quality of leads with me going after hundred converting 20% versus the quality of going after a thousand converting two is going to be much higher. And thus the conversion into a sale is going to be much, much higher. I could probably charge more, et cetera. So I'll stop there with the outbound. Um, how we're doing that is if we're going to talk about video specifically, again, utilizing things that make that individual or that influence. Could you imagine if you were an executive assistant at a company, nobody cares about you typically, no one. If you sent them a specific video to them that addressed what they care about from a personal standpoint, do the research. You know, they have public profiles all over the place. What do they care about addressing those things? What if you sent them a gift and in that gift, you had a handwritten note that had a URL at the bottom that was made specifically for them. And then when they clicked on that URL, it was a video made specifically for them. What kind of advocate would you have in that company if the executive assistant opened up a gift specifically for them, read a note specifically for them, went to a URL specifically for them, and watched a video specifically for them? Wow. Right? That doesn't scale, but I don't have to scale if I'm converting 50% of people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we've done that actually. We, we sent a cake with a URL written on the cake to, a, now this prospect was worth a million dollars, so it's worth going to this effort. But we sent a cake, congratulating them on their 15 year anniversary. Um, and at the bottom it had a URL. And when they typed in that URL, uh, it was a video from the whole team just saying, hey, congratulations on your anniversary, blah, blah, blah. You know, wish you guys your well. Work, her, her, her work anniversary? No, it was the company. So we did it. So what we did was we sent... This wasn't for the executive assistant. We sent it to the executive assistant, but it was for the company's 15 year anniversary as a company. Ah. And so we actually got the, the managing partner of this particular law firm um, on the call uh, for them. Again, I, I was working, this is with an agency that specifically targeted and did SEO for like tier A um, attorneys. So this is a specific campaign, but I have examples across all industries, concrete, heavy equipment, manufacturing, et cetera. I focus on agencies nowadays, but those are just some key examples of, it doesn't really matter the industry. Being a human in the sales process at the end of the day is what's gonna drive conversions. So that was long-winded. Those are just random. Oh no, that's great. That's great. That's great. Um, Makes a lot of sense. And then that, that uh, just just out of curiosity before we go to inbound, um, because I I definitely wanna dig into inbound. What, um, this, it's cold. So Mm -hmm. let's say that you are sending a video. I mean, you start with that decision maker and there are other people around them, but you know, let's say that you're focusing on 
you know, like companies that are like well-funded or whatever, but there's only like seven or eight employees. You're going to go after the founder or the CEO. So let's say you do send them a video, which it sounds like you would recommend because there's, because it's the most personal way to get at somebody. What do you say in that video to not be sleazy? I know that's on every other, like every other agency owner's mind. Like, what do you say that doesn't sound that, that, that isn't just totally like a, like a cop out? Like what, what's the message? I'll go back to the relationship part. What would you do if you were trying to get the attention of a girl or guy that you wanted to get into? You would find out what they care about. Work-related, personal life-related. At the end of the day, this is one thing I have to shift the mindset for a lot of our clients is when you're doing outreach to a CEO, you're not doing outreach to a CEO. You're doing outreach to Jim who happens to have a family and personal goals and business goals and he's got pain points. Oh, and he also happens to have a job title called CEO. But at the end of the day, you're talking to Jim. Jim is the CEO. And so you have to get out of your mind that these aren't people like, or you have to get out of your mind that these aren't just titles that you're talking to. These are human beings. And when you can do that and you can realize that there's things in their life that they care about outside of work or even, you know, involving work, you can then, deploy empathy, which again, so we're talking about here, empathy is putting yourself in the position of another person so that you can better understand and feel what they feel and and know what they know, which then allows you to make better decisions to develop a relationship, right? So I'll go back to my wife again. If I never tried to put myself in the position of my wife to understand why she feels the way she feels, and she oftentimes feels very different than I do. Girls and guys, for some reason, won't get into gender stuff, but they do have some different things. And so my wife feels very differently about things. She has more emotions about some things. If I never tried to put myself in her position, I wouldn't be a very good husband. I argue that our relationship would be pretty rocky and maybe not even be around five, six, seven years down the road, right? It's empathy. Sales is the same thing. We're really just trying to put ourselves in the position of our prospect or our lead or our potential client um, so that we can better understand and better build a relationship with people. We're trying to remove relationships from sales and it's just not working. Automation removes relationships and relationships just don't, you can't, you can't remove them when it comes to really high transaction values. Like we, a lot of agencies, a lot of us who sell consulting, coaching, uh, professional services, it's a big, it's a big cash uh, transaction that people have to trust you in order to, to make. And so you're not selling a $49 software product um, where it's simply about the features and the bells and whistles. You're selling a, 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 tra- a trust transaction because you have to solve a big problem for them. Mm. So, so we're, we're sort of digging into it. We're just sort of saying hello, trying to meet them and talking a little bit about what we know that they care about. And so I'll give you an example. Um, I'm reaching out. Let's say I want to get in front of you. You know, if I want to do something easy, hold up a whiteboard says, Hey Matt, or behind me or on your website, or maybe, you know, I'm on a Yankees on the thumbnail. website. Because that, because that's yeah. another thing I've done a little bit of this before. We haven't done a lot of it in the company, but I've done it before. And then I'm like, okay, how do I get them to open the email? <laughs> well, <laughs> or okay, sorry, so- not, sorry, not, not, not even just the email, but open the video. Like, yeah. it's like, ugh, another video, or is this like, what is this video? So something I might That's do good. is I might start the video with a Google Doc open. I throw a Yankees logo on there, and I say, hey, Matt, open this, right? And then you open the video, and I say, hey, I had to get your attention somehow. 
I know that uh, a lot of people are fending for your attention. I just want to say, hey, first of all, something about the Yankees, right? Um, whatever it might be, whatever it's a, a recent draft or a recent trade or record or did you see that game or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I just want to introduce myself. Um, you know, I'm Joe Gilkey. I run Joe Gilkey and Company. Um, I work with agencies all the time. Rarely do I work with agencies that also – Love the Yankees, so uh, I thought I had to reach out because of that. Anyways, just want to make an intro. No agenda here. Uh, hope that we can jump on a call sometime soon. Cheers. Go Yankees. Right. That's all I do. I'm just planting little seeds here and there, but at the end of the day, I'm carrying my hand, the human being, you, the human being, um, and that's going to go a lot further than be like, "Hey, Matt." So my name is Joe Yilke. We work with agencies specifically. We help them build out sales operations so that they can become more efficient, remove you from sales, and blah blah blah. Um, you know, would love to grab 15 minutes in your calendar, just a quick call. You know, I hate that line, just a quick call. Like 15 minutes is not quick for me. Like I, my calendars are full every day. You know, every CEO, every owner has a massively full calendar. 15 minutes is not quick. And so just saying like, Hey, I just want to quick do an intro call. I don't, why do I need to do an intro call with you? I don't really want to spend 15 minutes. I got to spend five minutes getting off of the other call, transitioning to your call. Yeah. You got to position the value add, right? In some yep. way. I'm trying to build a relationship with you. And so, because if I can do that, you're going to see 15 minutes as we can chop it up about the Yankees. We can chop it up about some of the other stuff. I'm going to ask about your business. Um, you know, we're building a relationship. And so just in the difference in the videos, everyone wants to leave with the pitch, right? So back to the trust transaction ladder, you got the attention, right? They open the video, right? The second instance I just talked about where I just jumped right in my pitch, I'm going straight for credibility, right? I'm jumping over likability. But in the first video where I talked about Yankees and this type of things, I went from attention to likability to credibility. People have to realize this. You're never going to make a sale based on likability. It'll always be made on credibility, right? But I would argue that if you have likability, you're going to get far more at bats at proving your credibility which is where the transaction happens based off of. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that's perfect. Don't, Love it. Don't rush into credibility because you know that's how you have to make the sale. They have to trust you to be able to make the decision or make the, to solve the problem. If you rush into credibility, you're going to get far less quality at bats. But if you take it a little bit slower and create likability first, you're probably going to get two, three, four X the amount of of opportunities to prove credibility, which you know is where the sale happens. Yeah, I like this. I'm also gonna guess that this is better for retention too, because it creates like a more than transactional, I guess, oh, what I was gonna say is it creates better clients, right? Because then you have like a more personal relationship and then it can, as, as a result of that, increase their lifetime value potentially. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of agencies fail at is the customer experience and they think the customer experience one, they don't have a good customer experience at all, but they also make the mistake of thinking the customer experience stops once the, once the contract is signed first. Now the customer experience starts with your salespeople. Like what is the experience they have interacting with your brand through the whole sales process? Um, all the way through renewal one, renewal two, upsell one, upsell two, right? Cause we know you and I know that, profitability comes through retention. It's so expensive to land a client, lose a client, spend money to replace that client just to get back to where you were before you lost that client, right? Mm. 
And so if I just put a little bit more effort, a little bit more time and resources into keeping that client, I'm just building every time that they renew as opposed to land them, lose them, spend money, replace, lose one, right? Like that's just such an expensive process. So though I'm, people hire me mostly to help them with acquisition, new clients. Um, I will always harp on retention because that is where you're going to find your profit margin. It's so cheap to land and expand into an account, right? So upsells, you don't have to spend any money to upsell someone if you've delivered for them. You don't have to spend any money on a new lead that was referred to you by a client that's happy with you. You have to spend a lot of money to fill the pipeline with cold prospects who've never heard of you, who have no trust built in the relationship, who didn't come in through a referral. Yeah. I mean, what can your clients do for you? Because I think a lot of us in the agency world, we've just gotten accustomed to this churn in a way that is basically like we've made it a habit in our mind. Like, oh, we're always going to lose clients on average every three months. So we have yeah. to always be like basically like creating this three month revolving door. People come in, people go out, people go in, people go out and you build a system. It's, it's, that's the, agency, it's the agency hamster wheel. Um, I talk about that a little bit in the, the course I have on my website. It's the free course, the sales driven agency course. I mentioned that on the landing page there of, of get off of the agency hamster wheel where this is the traditional agency hamster wheels. We know we need to have this many clients to pay for our overhead. We know we're going to lose this many clients. Um, so we need to, to, to get this many clients and it's this cycle of running around thinking that we're actually doing something and getting somewhere when all actuality, the wheel's just moving and we're running in place. And so it's this, it's this problem we run into where it's like we go, here's another part of the agency hamster wheel is we go, we work hard to get a sale, we get a sale, then we focus on delivering, our pipeline dries up, we lose a client, we go back to our pipeline, it's completely dry, we gotta start all over, build a pipeline, go sell, land the client, go fulfill, lose a client, go back to the pipeline, right? It's this, end, it's this never ending process. And so you can never truly get past what we call the agency ceiling. It's a revenue ceiling that most people are unable to break through because they don't know how to build out a sales operation that allows them to grow predictably, aggressively, and sustainably. So what about inbound? Let's, let's, let's go more to inbound and let's start again with this uh, over and over everybody, you know, all of us that are still watching this or that if you're listening to this later on, um, chances are you are hammered with Facebook ads from people who are telling you how to do this, like how to get these leads into your business in the way that works. So, but I think it's interesting to talk about what, how you do your lead generation in a way that creates uh, better opportunities for sales and probably maybe some sort of value ladder. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just talk about my value ladder first. So my value ladder is provide value for free on the front end. Um, they get used to interacting with me, my brand. I start developing trust because I'm giving them true. That's why the, 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 the video course on my website's free is because I want you to trust me. I want you to trust that I'm going to give you something, even if you don't pay me, that's going to revolutionize your business. I actually have a guide coming out uh, this week. Uh, I'll send it to you to send it to, to the folks here for the early totally. release, but um, it's like a 5,000 word guide on how to revolutionize sales process just from an organizational and structural standpoint on like how to maximize your sales efforts. So I'll send that to you guys. Um, but that's going to be free, right? I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not even going to get your email address for it. I don't care. Um, what I care about is building credibility um, creating likability, creating trust in the relationship. Cause eventually 
when I do have a call to action, um, I'm going to eventually get you on a call and I'm going to sell you the roadmap. And the roadmap is my foot in the door offer where I come in and I diagnose and prescribe, um, essentially diagnose where you're at currently as an agency, prescribe where I'm going to take you, which is becoming a sales driven agency and all the steps that have to happen in between. And at the end of the roadmap, which you paid me for, you can decide to take the roadmap and do it yourself. Or if I see value in the relationship, I'm going to ask and, and say, Hey, you could pay us and we'll come in and do this in 90 days. It'll be done fast. It'll be done effectively. Um, and that's my value ladder, right? And so the next question is how is it that I drive inbound leads to that value ladder? I'm always about trust, right? So what, what is my quickest path A to Z? How do I get there fastest? And how do I develop trust the fastest? And there's no better way to develop trust personally um, than through siphoning trust from someone who's already built it. So for instance, you and I are on a call right now in front of your audience, um, your audience trusts you. And the fact that you trust me to come on your podcast and on your Facebook live to talk to your audience, I now have trust with your audience simply by being involved with you because you've already built trust. So the first place I'd always start is creating trust with people who've already built trust with your audience. So who is it that serves your audience's code word is strategic partnerships, right? So I look for who are people that strategically, like Ian Garlic is a good example. Ian's a good friend of mine. That's how you and I got connected from his Giants of Video Summit he just threw. Ian Garlic and I are really good friends. He trusts you know, me with his kid's life. I trust him with you know, my family's life. And because of that, he puts me in front of his audience or his, his relationships. I naturally have trust there. So I'd say the first place you can start is who do you serve? So again, it always comes back to who do you serve as, a, as an agency, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner? Who's your ideal customer? Who else serves your ideal customer? And then start working into those relationships because when you can do that, you're going to start siphoning attention from people who've already built trust. That's the first place I'd start. I'd say that drives 60% of my inbound is strategic partnerships. Hmm. Um, secondly, I, you know, and this comes down to knowing where your customer spends their time. I know the agencies are all over LinkedIn. So I have made an effort to, make sure that my LinkedIn is completely optimized for conversions. So um, I put out organic content on LinkedIn, mostly video that is specific to agencies. And I build my LinkedIn network specifically with agencies. So you have to understand no matter what the platform is, whether it's YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, you have to realize that those are for-profit businesses. Their goal is to make money through their users, through advertising. So how can they serve more ads to make more money? Well, they, their users have to be on their platform longer. And so it has to be a good user experience. If it's not a good user experience, they're not gonna stay longer. If they're not gonna stay longer, they're not gonna see more ads. If they don't see more ads, they're not gonna make more money. So I know LinkedIn's, every platform has the same goal, which is make more money through ads. Um, and so, what the, so when it comes to creating organic content, they wanna make sure that organic content is quality and then it resonates with your network. So what they'll do is when you post on any platform, I'll just talk about LinkedIn specifically, when you post, they take a sample size of your network and they put that post in front of that sample size. And based on um, the type of interaction, whether it's comment or like or share, and the speed at which people are interacting with your content, there's an algorithm that says, okay, this is a high quality post that resonates, let's push it to the larger audience. And then it goes to first level connections at a bigger 
then it goes to second level, then it goes to third level. Because of that, you can have massive organic reach on LinkedIn posts if your content is for a specific type of person that is in your network. So my first suggestion is make sure your network is dense with your ideal audience, right? So I have a 11,500 or so in my network. It's not the most, but it's not a small amount either, but it's about 8,000 of those are agency people. Either 3,000 are sales people that, you know, have a lot of sales hiring process, et cetera. But mostly agency people, I create content for agencies. And so when LinkedIn takes a sample of my network and puts my content in front of it, it's probably gonna resonate because I create agency content for agency people and most of my network is agency people. That makes sense? So when they pull that sample size, I want the majority of that sample size to be who my content speaks to. That way I get good interactions, likes, comments, and shares, and then they, they're gonna push up the rest of my network. So I average, no matter what I put out there, I average 10 to 15,000 views per post um, on anything I put out. And if I put that out three, four, five times a week, I'm, I'm gaining about 60,000 eyeballs on my content, mostly from people who relate to me. The whole goal of that is I use text messaging for opt-ins as well. So I will put, um, uh, I'll set up, I use Textiful. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but there's a bunch of them out there. There's Twilio, there's a bunch of them, but I use Textiful. It's super easy to set up where it's, hey, text this keyword to this number and it'll opt you into this. So I use that in my content. I use that in my, my copy. I also want to make sure that my profile is optimized like a landing page, right? So when people look at my content, like, oh, that's super interesting. They're going to click on who I am and look at me and I want my profile to operate just like it would a landing page. So I want the headline to be optimized for conversions, not to shout to the world who I am, but who is it that I serve? Where do I take them? How do I take them there? Mm. Right? So if you go to my profile now, you'll see exactly this framework that we talk about, which is, it's always about who do I serve? Cause I want people to, when they land on my profile to know that I serve them, where do I take them? So what's the end goal that they want to achieve? And then third is how do I personally take them there? And then once they get past that, then they look at your summary section, which is more like long form sales copy. And then you have a call to action at the end. That's how I drive most of my organic inbound leads. And is that call to action a text? No. So the call to it can be, yeah, it's certainly fine. Um, it can be simply just a Calendly link. It can be a free course. It can be, whatever it is that you want to get them into your funnel. Uh, it can be a podcast episode. It can be whatever you want it to be, but uh, make it very succinct, make it very simple for them to opt into some sort of interaction and engagement with you and your brand. Um, mm. Usually, you know, a, a Calendly is, is sufficient for me. Um, I fill up my mm. calendar enough. Now I have a lot of salespeople that they're doing a lot of sales for me now. So I usually just round Robin when someone signs up for a call it'll round robin to a sales team. Sometimes I'll look at the Calendly and I'll just decide that I want to jump on that call, which happens often. I like to stay sharp. So sometimes I'll get on a call. Um, but nonetheless, I want to drive people to uh, some sort of engagement with me. And, my, and it, it, like my CTA has changed. Like I'm testing that as well. Like I want to see where I can get the most traction. Um, I actually need to go through and revamp my LinkedIn summary um, to reflect kind of this newer push we're doing with this this course and with the, um, the guide that's coming out this week. 
Interesting. That's great. I mean, I mean, I do massive amounts of content marketing, but I think that one of the things that I could be better at, and I think a lot of people out there could be better at is, is, is how you're structuring that stuff. I mean, I create tons of videos. Um, what am I doing with them? I have a LinkedIn problem. We don't have to get into this. My, my LinkedIn problem is I'm 38 years old and I've changed careers three times. So I have a crazy mix of people on my profile. I mean, I was in the journalism world forever. I have so many journalists and news directors and stuff. In my, so they, it's a little, it's a little weird. Are they valuable for you today or no? No, no, none of them are valuable. So yeah, I mean, it might be worth triaging. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what, what use is LinkedIn to me, right? It has a different use to me now than yep. it did when I was um, like an executive producer in totally. media. And I would so, have, I would have a VA go through. So I don't know if you use sales navigator or not, but sales navigator makes filtering very simple. So yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would yeah. go on Sales Navigator. I would do a search for first level connections. So that's going to bring in everyone. And then I'm going to hit go. It's going to pull up my entire network. And then the far left hand side, you, it'll actually show you industry. So industry, marketing, advertising, 3000 people, industry, journalism or media publications, whatever, 1500 people have a VA go through each one of those and just start disconnecting with all the people who are in industries that are not relevant to you. Um, and that way you're going to start every, every person you take away from your, your network that isn't relevant is really just making you that much more dense to your ideal customer profile. I wouldn't suggest doing it yourself. I would just focus more on driving more people into your network that are qualified. Um, but if you have the ability to have a VA go through and, and start letting people go, I would do that. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Hey, I have a weird, weird, weird network, just like I have a weird career. Um, okay. So uh, two things here, really important. Number one, there's going to be a lot of people that are saying, okay, great content marketing. I get it. But if I want to run a funnel, what funnel should I build? Like a lead generation funnel from lead magnet slash opt-in slash whatever the heck to, um, to, to a sales call and, and, and how that works. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think the second is, and this is something I personally am invested a lot in, and I'm sure that there's a few other people at least that are interested in this as well. Um, what happens when we have multiple offers, multiple products under yeah. our umbrella? Um, cause I have a huge issue with that in my business cause there's just so much stuff. There's so many different types of avatars that we're serving. Uh, but yeah, just with this first, cause I know a lot of people are interested in this cause so many, I would bet that every single agency owner listening to this has run paid traffic to their, uh, to some sort of funnel at some time. You and I were talking about revamping our sales process. We're working on that. That's yeah. great. I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. That is a lead generation type strategy. So, so how, how are we doing that? How is that work? Yeah. So I kind of talked about my value ladder where it's like free roadmap consulting on the back end, Right. So that is, that is one line of offers. That's the one I'm focusing on right now. So you could uh, theoretically here run some sort of add to the free video course in theory. Run it to the free video course, or if I really have my targeting down, I could run it to the roadmap application or something like that. Um, or I could run it to completely separate. I could just run it to, um, I could run an ad to a, a, a testimonial page of some sort with a video sales letter that leads them to an application which leads them to a call, which leads them to a thank you page. You can totally do that. That's, that's a traditional funnel. You know, use the whole hook story offer 
mm-hmm. um, type of approach. Um, you got to really dial in your creative and your audience you do. Though, to get you them. You really, there. really uh, do. And, and they're, so they're going to be expensive leads too, but I mean, if your conversion yeah. rate's okay. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest jumping straight into that until you dial it in um, and really know who you serve and where they're spending their time and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I also use the metric of like whatever – whatever I'm willing to pay for an application, spending three times that on a daily rate. So my daily ad spend. So if, it, if I'm okay spending a hundred bucks for an app or an application, then I want to spend $300 a day on my, my ad spend until I really dial it in. That's just a rule of thumb I use when I'm testing. Um, now I don't use ads as much because I, I have my strategic partnerships dialed in. I have you know some other free PR stuff that I do that, that kind of works fairly well for me and my, my LinkedIn organic works pretty well. You know, I can have a, a mid seven figure business pretty easily just doing what we're doing. Um, and so for me, that's, that's simple, but as I'm about to start turning on my ads, that's how I'm going to handle it. Um, you know, moving forward. Um, so you're talking about if you have multiple offers, so why I've talked about my value ladder is I don't really talk a lot about, I will have a DIY. So I'm going to have three, three higher ticket offers on the back end of my roadmap. So I'm going to have free roadmap and then I'm going to have DIY, DWI and um, consulting DFY done for you. DWI is done with you. DIY is do it yourself. So um, my funnel should do a good job of identifying what a prospect is probably going to be a good fit for. Right. Mm. So if someone comes in my funnel and whether it's based on revenue, based on whatever the, the criteria I've set, if they're just not even a good fit for a roadmap consulting or roadmap done with you, then I'm just going to push them straight to a DIY funnel. Right. You want them to kind of come in through the pain point you solve, not so much on the offer that you have. Right. So you want to mm. speak to the pain point that you solve because that's going to drive a whole host of people from all different walks of, of life into your funnel. And then your funnel should do the hard work of dissecting which offer they should go to, right? So whether it's an application that uh, based on revenue sends them down one path uh, versus another path, then, then something like that would be how I would dissect. But what all that to say, I think that you should have some sort of called a gatekeeper offer and that can be free. That can be an application that can be a roadmap having a gatekeeper offer that when they do that, based on how they interact with that offer, then you can tell them of the other offers that you have. You don't want to clutter their mind with, should I go with DIY? Should I go with done with you? Should I go with done for you? You should be the expert that tells them what they need based on how they interact with your gatekeeper offer. Mm. Does that make sense? So hypothetically, if someone comes in and does a roadmap that pays for the roadmap, we come in and do the roadmap. I'm not going to pitch them on the option of, hey, you should do done with you. Uh, or you should do done for you, right? I'm not going to give them both. I'm going to say, hey, based on this, here's what I'm going to pre- I'm going to present to you, which is, I think you should go with the done with you, you know, offer that we have. And they can ask about the other ones, but I'm the expert. I know because I, I've worked with agencies for half a decade now, specifically in this particular realm of sales operations, um, and I've worked, you know, over a decade in building out sales operations for all industries. So I know what they need based on where they're at, based on what I find. Um, and so I'm going to present to them what they need, not give them options on different things that are just going to clutter up their decision-making process. Do you like to use a more, uh, like, do you, do you, do you find that 
like like what's this lead magnet? I think a lot of people uh, use you know lame lead magnets, right? Sometimes totally. we'll be like, oh, you just need a lead magnet. It's like a, you can download a checklist, and then maybe you don't get a whole lot from it. I mean, you should yeah. put a lot of thought into this, right? And uh, yeah. so so for example, you've got a free video course, so yeah. they're gonna. I could charge for that easily. I think if right. if you don't feel good charging for it, then it's probably not a good lead magnet. If you're like, man, it actually hurts to not charge this. I could make money on this. It's probably a good lead magnet, right? So I know I could charge for my three video course, um, but I'm not looking at the transaction between the person taking the course and me. I'm not looking at it as a monetary value. I'm looking at it as I am essentially the commodity or, um, you know, what they are, the currency that we are trading here is trust and value, right? I think a lot of us look too short-sighted and say, I want to make the quick money on the course or quick money on this thing. Um, whereas I'm looking at, I know that if I convert somebody who comes through my video course into a roadmap, that's $7,500 for me. And if, and if they go through the roadmap and we scope out what the next three to six to 18 months looks like, that's going to be between 70 and $200,000 depending on how in depth we have to get. And so for me, I'm willing to forego thousand dollar course offering or a five hundred dollar course offering or even a forty nine dollar course offering in order to build that trust with them so that I can come on the back end. Now when you take something now when you use something like that that takes longer to consume, how long do you wait to pitch? Um well for that one with the three video course, I'll just go ahead and so if any of you guys want to try it, whoever's watching this, um I'll just go ahead and tell you the flow here. So the flow is you're going to take the course. The moment you sign up, you get a video one, email one. Um, it's meant to be dripped over three days to you. So it will be dripped over two, three days. You can watch the whole course in, um, you know, I have it built on our website. So if you go to the, the video one page after you get sent it, you can watch video one, video two, and video three. So you can watch all three days worth of content on the first um, day if you want to. It's probably a total of an hour. Um, but nonetheless, you're going to get dripped day one, day two, and day three. And then after that, there's a call to action on, on the third email. There's also a call to action on the, on the video three. Uh, my call to actions on the video pages are either refer. So for, for video one and two, you'll notice that my goal is referrals, but there is an option on the sidebar underneath my bio to schedule a call with me. Um, on video three, it changes and refer becomes my secondary CTA on the side and my, my button that's making movement underneath the video is schedule your post course call. Um, and so if you don't convert on the page itself, then you maybe you'll convert on the email uh, four that comes, you know, the next day, if you don't convert on that, then you're probably going to convert on my sales guy reaching out to you via text because I gather your cell phone on the, the form. Um, and if you don't cover on that, then I probably just let you go for a little bit and I add you to my newsletter and you'll get good content dripped to you. So you're, so, but your sales guy's not reaching out until they're dripped three or four days through the course, right? Right. Because I'm the one building the trust right now, Brian, when he reaches out to you, which he'll reach out to you on day five, I think is the way that our process works. Um, he's just going to send you a text. He's mm. not even going to call you. It's pretty simple. Um, you've been developing a relationship with me, whether it's be directly or indirectly, and so you're more likely to take a call with me. And then Brian, all Brian's trying to do is set up a call with me. Like he's not trying mm. to set up a call with him. He's just doing my, you know, ancillary work that's not automated. Um, and he's trying to switch up the flow a little bit. Um, and so that's really the, there's one, two, three, four, five, 
touch points throughout that process. Not to mention the, you know, I have a, a heads up pop up on each video page. It's not a pop up. It's more like the little uh, chat in the bottom. That's just as specific to you and ask if you want to schedule a call at some point for the post course mm. call. Right. So I have a bunch of little areas that you can convert into the whole funnel is meant to lead to you getting on the phone with me because I know that if I get on the phone with you, I'm going to have a good conversation with you and I'm going to be valuable to you. And if I see value in doing a roadmap, I'm going to pitch that. If I don't, you don't have to worry about me pitching you because it's just not a good fit. Mm. There you go, guys. Everybody go, go into his funnel, dissect it. And then uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, rip and, take rip it and duplicate. There you go. Rip and rip and duplicate, you know? Uh, yeah, this is great. And, and just the last question here with video. Um, are you ever, I mean, I, as these leads, this is what happens all the time. A lot of a lot of sales consultants over time have told me that uh, video is super powerful when leads start to lapse. So let's say that this per, that these people they get past five days, their sales rep texted, nothing happens, or or maybe it's somebody who you had built had built rapport with, and you you were like, how often? Like raise your hand, agency people watching this, if you have said coming off of a pitch call, boom. Just waiting to just waiting it. to so that I got it. Yeah. This has happened. I mean, this has happened to me d hundreds of times, probably. Yeah. And then they don't convert, and then we're like, and then we go running to our masterminds, and we're kind of like, eh, what do I do about this lead? I really thought we had a good conversation. Yeah. And we talked about our kids, and like now he's ghosting me. So is 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 video a, a place here? I mean, what 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 is the situation? Yeah, and it's so video, yes, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, the way that I look at follow up and follow up is where most salespeople, most agency owners, most people in general who are trying to do sales fail is is in the follow up game. What happens after you know meeting one that went so well, and I just he said send me something, and I sent him something, and I never heard from him again. You know, I tried to follow up three or four times to get him back on a phone call. I be, I'm a big believer that you don't do follow-up unless you have something valuable in your hands when you do it. And so, okay. so I'm a big fan of, and, and something valuable can be very small. It can be something that has nothing to do with business, right? I can send I do this all the time. I'll send a handwritten note. Just if something went dead, like, Hey, John, I've had an awesome conversation. Haven't been able to get you on a call again. Anyways, thought of you decided not to send an email, decided to write you a handwritten letter. Hope you're well. Would love to get on that call. That's still valuable because no one's sending direct mail like that these days. The other part of that is having specific content that's tailored to the pain points that you talked about on your first call. Let's say, Matt, I find out you're having a difficult time um, really honing in on your foot in the door offer. That's that lower part of the value ladder. Say, so, hey, here's a guide we put together on how to craft the perfect foot in the door offer. Hey, John, no, we weren't, weren't able to get on a call again, but um, was thinking about you this morning and you know, this guy that we wrote came to mind because I know this is a problem you're having. Hope it goes well. Love to chat about it. Right. That's, that's follow-up and that's follow-up with value. You're still building trust all the while. And the goal there is for you to get on a call with them, but you have to be patient in the sales process um, to do that. Right. And so they might have gone dead because they talked to other people. Uh, they might have gone dead because things have gotten crazy. Um, the last thing they want you to do is just to be that guy who's like, Hey man, we said we get on a call. We, we haven't yet. Or, Hey, have you checked out that proposal I sent over to you? You know, like, <laughs> first of all, never send a proposal without delivering the proposal in person slash on video. That's a good tip for people to take. 
Mm. Um, don't just send a proposal over because they're going to naturally have questions. They're going to naturally have objections. You want to be there to handle those on the call in live time with them so that you know that they're very clear. Um, and the only thing that's holding them back is something else, right? You want to make sure that you eliminate as many obstacles as possible. So when you, this isn't answering your, the question you just asked me, this is a different question, but I'd argue it's more valuable. Yep. It's great. When you get on the call and they're like, yeah, you know, shoot me a proposal. Say, great. Um, I'm going to go and put that together today. Um, what does your schedule look like Thursday at three or Friday at 10, uh, to go over that together? Then schedule, always schedule your next step on the current step that you're on. So if I'm always on a call, always schedule your next call. If that's the next step, uh, if you're trying to do a proposal, don't do a proposal and send it to them and kind of wait for them to get back to you or like chase them down to, Hey, what'd you think of the proposal? It's always, they want a proposal. Great. If I'm going to put in the effort, the cost of that is you have to schedule the next call where we'll go over it together and I'll screen share the proposal. I'll send it to you when it's, you know, when we're done with our call, but at the end of the day, boom, you want a proposal. You're going to do it on a call with me. We're going to go over any objections you might have, any questions you might have, um, and we'll make a decision on next steps there. That's a huge one. Um, yeah, video. Where does video fit in that? Um, so obviously taking good notes on your first call. If something was relevant there, creating a video, sending it to them uh, that's valuable. Um, maybe it's offering something for free in a video. Maybe it's, hey, you know, we talked about your website was kind of acting a little bit slow. Did a little bit of homework here. Just checked out Google page, you know, insights. Um, looks like you have 38 speed on mobile. Here's a couple quick things you could do to fix that. Um, and just send that to them in a video and then say, would love to get on a call. I've got a couple of ideas, ideas, you know, a little carrot dangling. Um, but so you provide value, but you can still, you know, dangle a carrot in front of them too. I love that. I think that's great advice. Always come with value. And I think that just to wrap this up, uh, just, just remember guys having building these value-based assets. I've talked about this before about the reasons why I wrote my book. And, and I do think the book is super, super valuable. I've gotten a lot of great feedback that people have had a lot of wins with it. It's great in and of itself. Uh, that being said, it's such an asset. I mean, uh, even, mm -hmm. even more than it is an authority builder because it can be an authority builder, right? But it's also like, hey, I've got the book. I mean, I'll give this, yep. you know, take the book, look at the book. Here's the book. Here's the book. And it's just something that's just always there as an asset. But, but we've talked about video courses, building little video courses. We've talked about building out guides, making your lead magnets more valuable. Like if you have this like arsenal of value-based stuff that you can send along to people um, and use as a lead magnet or just use as a nurture uh, then, then that can be extremely, extremely valuable. It's really got me, got me thinking about stuff. So Joey, where are we sending people? You want people to go to this video course, joeygilkey.com? Yeah, just go to joeygilkey.com and um, you know, you can I'm gonna take in. it too. Yeah, go into the course, it's three videos long. Obviously I've already told you my flow, so expect those <laughs> emails and, and texts and stuff. Um, yeah, go to Joey Gilkey, so J-O-E-Y-G-I-L-K-E-Y.com, and uh, all my calls to action lead the same same place right now. Uh, I am about to drop a guide, which is extremely practical. Uh, that, that should be out sometime this week when my editor's done editing my terrible grammar. That's awesome. So Joey's going to send me that guide. I'm going to make sure that you guys, yep. that you guys have it. Uh, Joey, thank you so much uh, for this. This was super, super helpful. Thank you guys all for being here. I will talk to you soon. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.